0: Hi there, and welcome to another interview today. I've got the fabulous Jonathan Griffiths with me, who's got a few aliases, like Carnivore Muscle. He used to be known as a composition consultant as well. Uh, and I'm going to ask him the question ask absolutely everybody. Hey, Jonathan, why did you become Carnivore? That's
1: a great question. Um, so, thanks, first of all, thank you for having me on the, the talk today for an interview. Um, I appreciate you inviting me on. Um, why did I like to become Carnivore? So, this started back four years ago. Um, Four years and five days ago, so February the 2nd, 2020, was my start date. Um, I didn't start January the 1st because there was too much chocolate left over after Christmas. Um, But I kind of heard ramblings about it, you know, World Carnival Month, that sort of thing, around that period of time. So that was when World Carnival Month was was really a thing, like people really started to hit on it and talk about it. Um, I'd say that's probably when it really started to trend upwards around that sort of time period. Um, So at the time, I was working at a vegan health food shop, Um, at that point I was probably there for a few months and I was still eating animal foods then I was thinking like oh you know I'm seeing a lot of people come in they're not very well mostly plant-based or vegan they're coming in spending sometimes three four hundred pounds per month on supplements of all various different kinds all the all the sorts you could think of so herbs, vitamins, minerals, weird complex mixtures of things, tinctures, bottles and I thought They're spending all this money. They're probably spending more on this than they are food. So something's obviously wrong with the food they're eating. Um, And obviously, I've got my nutrition degree, which I completed in 2018. And I kind of understood, okay, animal foods are essential. Um, We weren't taught in great detail the significance of animal foods in university. It was simply that we needed iron, B12, vitamin D, omega-3, things like that. Um, But they weren't too keen on disparaging the difference between plant foods and animal foods. It was all about eating a a balanced diet, you know, lots of fruit, fiber, vegetables, phytonutrients and all the things that apparently your body doesn't really need. Um, And I found that to be true myself. Um, So going back a little bit in the past, I I started to mess around with my body in different ways. So when I was about 11 years old, I did, I'd say, somewhere between a 10 and 14 day water fast. In that time, I drank only water. I didn't consume salt, Funny enough. And I was drinking occasional lemon juice at night, just because I thought it was apparently good. You know, when you sort of read your mum's women's magazine sort of thing, you know, whatever it is, women's health, whatever, you know, it says, you know, lemon juice at this time of the day, it's great for detoxing, all this sort of thing. Um, so I thought I'd add that in because it seems to be quite innocuous. And at the time, I was, you know, looking at calories and things. for Okay, that's like two calories per... So many millilitres I could probably get away with that. It's not going to break the bank. And I was looking at myself, I would probably self-image issues at that point. Um, I probably still do now to be honest. I'm bodybuilding still. Um fast forward to the end of that water fast, nothing happened. My weight stayed the same, I looked the same. Did I feel better? Probably about the same, to be honest. Um and that was probably my first thoughts around like the concept of calories and calories out. Obviously, something there didn't work. You know, I should have lost five six seven eight nine ten pounds um so that taught me that there's a very strong hormonal aspect to it then I sort of packed that one in didn't really think much about it again I didn't revisit it then I started competing in bodybuilding competitions so this was roughly two years after I started training in the gym which was about the age of 14 um my brother got me in the gym we're doing different workouts so he'd go in the big boy section you know with all the big boy weights and I'd use the little weights you know the pink dumbbells and you know the ab crunch ball thing and you know, the a few like assisted pull ups and things like that, bit of ellipt- elliptical training as a cardio. Um in fact within about six weeks I got pretty shredded. Um so I started off a bit of a bit of a belly, mostly hormonal puppy fat you might call it. Um and I got slim, athletic built, you know, ripped like by anyone's standard does probably top five percent physiques in any gym that I'd i w- I'd go to at the age of about sixteen. Um and that's telling that's quite telling to me. I was like, Okay, well I'm doing quite well here. Something's um Obviously, in my favour, whether it be genetic or situational, what have you, my brother and dad, you know, both are athletic, both you know, won their sports days, events and things like that. Um, so there's definitely a genetic component there towards athleticism. Now, moving forward a little bit, see bodybuilding, bigger is better. Um, you don't get small bodybuilders build- that win nowadays, really, unless they're in a smaller division where they're sort of capped at a certain weight category, perhaps. Um, I was like, okay, how do I get bigger? So more carbs, more protein. What inflates your body the fastest and is going to be a mixture of carbs, protein and fats at the highest amount possible. Um, pretty much emulating the, i would put it, the livestock feed that we know of today. So which is pretty much the um, the food pyramid or the food guidelines. So high carb, well relatively high fat, speak, generally speaking, and um, protein quite moderate. Um, did I get fat doing that? At some points, yes. However, a lot of that was mitigated by the exercise I was doing. So I was doing perhaps, I don't know, 15 hours a week of activity. Um, about three hours of that was circuit training. About six hours of that was sprint training. The rest of it was a combination of, I don't know, walking, PE at school, gym, powerlifting, all sorts of stuff. I was seriously active and I'd cycle everywhere, walk everywhere. Um, I wasn't getting lifts anywhere really, apart from to the athletics club. Um, and moving forward a bit, I sort of started to refine things a bit more. So I was like, okay, I really enjoy bodybuilding. My knees at that time could not could no longer take um the sprinting, all the extra stuff I was doing. Um so I thought, okay, I'm gonna focus on my intentions of bodybuilding, you know. It's more impressive to walk around as a big muscular bodybuilder than it is to walk around as an athletic looking sprinter, um, in my opinion. Just because a lot of people, you know, you can wear a t shirt and no one would know you're a a decent sprinter sort of thing. Um, so sort of competing at county level and that sort of thing. But I just wanted that. I don't know. I think I had some self-esteem issues, that sort of thing. So I wanted that, that visual effect, you know, which a lot of people won't admit. But yeah, you know, as a man, I want to look good. That's absolutely my prerogative. Um, and then that's obviously scalable based on who you are, what your objectives are, and um, what you want to achieve long term. Uh, moving forward a bit, obviously quit sprint training. I am still doing different sports. Rugby, American football, um, soccer or, you know, English football sort of thing. And um, I started to, like, lose interest in those over time and um, had issues in my back. So I believe I had bilateral pars defect, which was, was a result of an injury when I was about, i say, 13, 14 years old. So this was in school when I was playing rugby in an international sports tour in Italy. Um, illegal tackle, absolutely think was correct or um, legal about it, if that makes sense. So it was absolutely not deserved, and it was out of play. I didn't even have the ball in my hand, put it that way. Um, So it was a seriously bad tackle, and I think the guy should have been put in prison for what he did. Um, I really do, because what he did was not right. Um, I'm a bit bitter about it still, obviously, because that's obviously gone down the line. That's, man, I've had to put titanium rods in my back and all sorts of things. Um and obviously my mental health went down because of that because I could no longer do the stuff in the gym that I wanted to do. Um so a lot of aspects of my life were drastically drastically reduced. All the things I wanted to do, I couldn't do. So, you know, as years went on, um that bilateral bars defect, which is um you basically have these two little bones at the bottom of your spine. They basically cracked off, which meant that bottom level of the spine, the um I believe it was the L5 S1 sort of area was no longer stable. So it meant the, the vertebrae, um, I believe it was the L5, actually shifted forward, which for anyone that knows, you know, hits nerves, means you're, you're walking around, you're in pain. Um, and Now, at that point, you know, going fast-forwarding a bit to the, my original point of conversation, which was about the, the vegan health food shop. So supplements, you know, they're great. Reduce inflammation, take turmeric. Well, oh, turmeric's not good enough anymore. You have to take uh, curcumin extract with black pepper I did all that stuff. I did all of it. All the supplements you could think of. Um, didn't do anything really to be honest. I didn't notice much benefit. Um, some things were a bit better, like my knee pain reduced a bit, but I'd probably attribute most of that to the omega three that's taking in. Um, so for me, omega three was something I, I really noticed early on was a, a big impact of my health. Um, I'll get onto that topic a little bit later, but what I would say from that point was, All these things didn't work, I became anemic. Um, So I felt gaunt, lost a lot of weight. My skin broke out, I didn't feel great. Lots of bad things in my health. Um, Mood obviously got even worse. Severe, severe depression. Anxiety, a lot. Um, Chronic fatigue, my immune system was basically crap. Um, I had lots of viral infections, which in turn damaged my liver and kidneys because I couldn't fight off any pathogens in my body. And that's spot, using all the supplements under the sun, all of in the vitamin C, everything you can imagine. You know, I was, I was loading on it, like £100 a month probably or more, just on supplements. Um, it didn't do the job. So obviously, going to the point of like the vegan health food shop, I was like, "Oh, well, all the most nutrient-dense foods, the, the the supplements aren't doing it, what can the diet do? So I started to look at the carnivore diet. Um And interestingly, I did actually start the carnivore diet, not for long, for five months then, um, when I was at age 16. But I did that using cans of tuna, five a day, honestly. And um a few eggs. So it's quite a bizarre diet to follow, but you know, once I set mine to something I can I can do it. Um I got quite lean doing that. Um if I was to guess how much protein and fat I was having each day, fat was below fifty grams. Protein was probably about two hundred grams or something, roughly around there. Um sometimes I have a weight protein shake but effectively I was doing a carnivore diet. My digestion was a lot better, which is quite odd. Um I attribute that mostly to the the mass of food being severely restricted. Um, Yeah, I did end up with mercury poisoning. So mental health went down. So I was trying all these different things at various different times and a lot of it did not work. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, Then going to the whole point of the vegan health food shop. So I've been meeting lots of people, not well, really unwell. No one ever looked healthy to me, honestly. No offense to them, but they just didn't look like they're going to live past the age of 50 if I'm honest, um, deterioration, sort of kale-white skin, very gaunt, um, thin hair falling out, and they just look severely aged, like they couldn't just, just couldn't take care of themselves. It's quite sad to see because I'm quite an empathetic person, or at least I tried to be, and I obviously thought, I can't stay in this job for any longer, you know. Um, so then fast-forwarding a bit, I did a bit more research on the carnival diet, and I thought, okay, I'm actually going to do this, and I can, I can commit to this. Um so the first year of my carnival diet I was on and off, obviously dealing with as a bodybuilder, you know the fitness industry is very much focused on binge eating. and um, they do promote that in my my opinion. Um you go onto any Instagram influencers, you know, story wall, it's like, oh I'm having this grenade protein bar. This is my protein cupcake. And we're gonna see how many I can shove in my gob in ten minutes. Um we I do see that a lot and it is more common than not. Um the idea of cheap meals and refeed days and adding in the extra stuff your body doesn't need um i was victim of that um obviously i put that food in my mouth is my my job but these foods are made to be hyper palatable they're not foods um they are ultra processed foods not just processed foods there are ultra processed foods which means you're probably putting in processed foods together with other processed foods to make an ultra processed food um nutrient nutrient intake of this sort of thing. The niche content was absolutely disastrous. Um and I, I was looking at all the ingredients, I was thinking, yeah, this can't be good for me. And I do enjoy some of these treats nowadays. I'm not absolutely boring to the idea that, you know, you can have a cake at a party or something or have a meal out of family, you know, stuff like that. I'm I'm quite for that. If people enjoy it and doesn't make them suffer too much. But for me, you know, I, I just limit it and I just keep it to a to a minimum that I find tolerable and while still giving me that sort of pleasure novelty, you know. Um so some things I, I do like having which are not even carnival foods. Um, one of them actually is a cheese toasty or a cheese sandwich. That's something I really enjoy. Um, mostly for nostalgia. My nan used to make that for me. So that's something I'd consider quite a nice treat. Um, Philadelphia spread, white bread, you know, strong, sharp, mature cheddar cheese. That does the job for me. But um that's, that's as and when. I know when obviously when we have these things, it's you haven't too often, they're not as enjoyable anymore. Um yeah, bringing me forward a little bit. So I started up my online nutrition consultancy a couple of years ago. Um, I needed an outlet. I didn't really see much marketing potential for what I was doing. Um, obviously, you know, Carnival Diet really kicked up, kicked up on social media a few years back. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm watching these videos and people are missing the point so many times, especially come from a background as a bodybuilder. The, the body composition side of it was, um, in a lot of cases, disastrous. It was always either... You, know, you need to eat really high-fat or really high-protein, low-fat, low-protein, all those different th- things. Um, and I saw a lot of pitfalls to a lot of the ideologies which are going around. I started to watch these videos. I was like, okay, I need to I need to do something here. I need to nip it in the bud. Um, obviously, bodybuilding, I've been in contour shape lots and lots of times. I know what it takes to get into shape. I know the value of tracking macros. I know the value of the carbohydrate-insulin model. I kind of know what works well for different people as well, just for experience. Um, there's certain phenotypes of people that just tend to be better on certain kind of macros, certain kind of foods. Um, yeah, that takes me to basically modern day. So I started up a YouTube channel, 14, 15 months ago, roughly, uh, started off as composition consultant, as you alluded to. Um, a few months back, I just moved it to carnivore muscle, a bit more concise, a bit more precise. Um, I decided not to use my name in the title of my socials because it's hard to spell, hard to say. I've got a very long name, you know, Jonathan Michael Griffiths BSc. You know, I can't, I can't say Coach Jonathan Griffiths. You know, it's just too long, and people won't know now how to say it. They won't be able to spell it, um, which is why I wish I had a name like Stephen. Sometimes it's much easier. but Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. In a, I'd say in a nutshell. But I can, I'm happy to sort of go into more detail about any points if you've got any questions.
0: Well, I thought that was fabulous, Jonathan, and one of the reasons I like having you on or di- or, or working with you on the kind of, or team GB is because you always bring to the table something different and new and honest, you know. Uh, so have I got questions? Yes. Um, if we could do a sort of like a quick fire round of the questions that come from that brilliant introduction... Um, let's see how that goes so first thing that jumped out at me was omega-3 so how you said that really helped and turmeric and black pepper and all that and i went down that route when i had lower back problems um how was you getting your omega-3s welcome to the alchemy of natural healing i'm your host laurel dewey
1: So M- mega free at the time was mostly through supplements, so liquid bottle. Um, I've actually got one right here. Yeah, please show us. So this is one. It's obviously being green screened out, but that's one that I use. Um, it's one of two brands that I I think what, is excellent. What's the brand? Could you say it? Because you couldn't. Brand is yeah, Barefoot Nutrition. So Barefoot Nutrition Omega Free. Um, the other one I've used is Wiley's Peak EPA, and I I, I always buy in a bottle. Um, I think it's less processed. It's not been put into a capsule. Um, liquid bottle, job done. Um, the distilling process is good. They use small, low toxicity fish. Um, the only concern I do have, although I'd say I've not experienced an issue because of it, is potential aldehyde content. Um, so that's a, a toxin. Your body does produce some of it, obviously, but too much of something is not great for the body so i'll just be um I want to be very clear with people you know if you can use these things it's better to get it from whole food and that's what i do for the majority of my omega-3 intake so i am consuming mackerel omega-3 very occasionally i consume sardines things like that um in water and brine or just I, I steam it smoke it myself you know something something like that um but yeah that seems to be a bigger very big thing for me um i was actually listening to a few things over the past year by jack Cruz and the Significance of DHA is really, really undervalued, in my opinion, particularly for people with gut distress, autistic spectrum disorder. It seems to be that people with um, autistic spectrum disorder, myself, they have a high requirement for certain things. Um, and I think a lot of these things can be characterized by certain traits, genetic expressions, markers. So you can look at a lot of studies online. So if anyone's watching this and they'd be curious, you know, common metabolic diseases in autistic people, something like that. You know, you can go on PubMed, Science Direct, something like that, and find out some information about that. Um, Detoxication pathways are usually poor. Um, sleep quality is poor, depression, anxiety. There's lots of comorbidities towards people with autistic spectrum disorder. And I think if I was to pick one thing, it'd probably be, sort of supplemental-wise, it'd be something e- either between vitamin D, omega-3, chlorine, or maybe magnesium. Um, I think you can get all the B-complexes you need in meat, for example, Um, but I'm not against supplements, if that makes sense. I know a lot of people say, you know, you can get all the all nutrition you can from beef. Yeah, that's true, but I've experimented myself. This is my N equals one. Added things in, taken them out, and it seems to be that adding omega 3 to my diet, either through a supplement or just extra oily fish, seems to be really helpful. Um, Seems to benefit the enteric function of your body. Um, there's pretty strong suggestion at least that a high DHA concentration within the diet seems to improve endothelial function in the, the gut as well which is great if you've got intestinal Um if I use painkillers as I was talking about earlier about the spine and stuff that seems to really wreck my guts um, I use them a day that's it so I have to stay on top of my, my gut health which means give my body what it needs um, so that seems to be really impactful for me
0: Brilliant um, you used a classic oxymoron at the beginning when you said vegan health food. And um you mentioned three nutrients there, and you've also just mentioned something I think I'd like to say. You you said look up on PubMed or um, you know, uh Science Direct. A lot of vegans might have used Google, for instance, to look for a good source of iron. You mentioned iron as a deficiency in the vegan community. Uh Maybe it's not their fault because they've Googled iron. And if you do this, you'll see the top 10 sources of iron are not the top 10 sources of iron. They're the top 10 sources of plant iron, which isn't heme iron and is not bioavailable. So I I think you're right to do your own research. And obviously you've done that. I I really like the fact that you, you were even, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 looking at things and And being critical and doing some critical thinking, which is really lacking in modern society, Um, I I I was very interested in a couple of bits because you said about your own self esteem, but also you were saying about the vegans look a certain way, and I I absolutely hate generalising, but that is true. Uh, A couple of celebrities recently, like Robert Downey Jr., went down the vegan route, and is his appearance deteriorated um one of the shows i like in the uk is would i lie to you um or well, one of the people on there i like is lee Mack, and i couldn't work out what was going on because he started to look really ill and i was a bit worried about him and um you know lo and behold you find out he's vegan so i don't think it's i don't think it's labeling people I think I think it is just a fact you know that most vegan influencers even the ones that claim to be healthy look you know they look like pencil necks they don't look great their teeth look terrible I'm thinking of people like Grieger uh who um sounds and looks absolutely terrible so why do you why do you think you had self-esteem issues and has that resolved
1: I'd say mostly yeah I think all the issues um Anyone with any kind of neurodiversity, you know, you go through school. Um, you don't get these things don't get picked up on. Um, he's a quiet boy. She's a quiet girl. He likes to st- spend more time in his own. Um, it's mostly because I wasn't that well socialised. People didn't ask me questions. So I left my own devices. devices um, because I had no strong social ability. I had to have you know speech and language therapy. Speaking didn't come naturally to me. Um, it's something which was learnt rather than sort of picked up on. Um, so it's a quite it's quite an interesting thing to sort of go into, and I'm glad you brought up this topic, actually. Um, in regards to, like, self-esteem, I'd say it's picked up quite a lot. I think the main problem that people have is that they worry so much about what other people think of them. Whereas I think if you have yourself and you write down your pros and cons... No, I used to be very impatient, I used to be easily agitated, I used to be easily stressed, easily anxious, um, very unhappy, bitter, disappointed with things. I didn't seek pleasure out of anything. I couldn't find pleasure out of anything. Um, but right now, my, my brain state seems to be better. Um, and there's lots of links between you know, oxalates, various different antinutrients, and the negative impacts on people with autistic spectrum disorder. I think a lot of it does come down to the mitochondrial health level, so the quantum biology, and also the deuterium level in the body, you know, high deuterium, low mitochondrial function, lesser ability, um, and more susceptibility to illness. There seems to be a complex of those kind of things. Then the other things, was obviously the, the leaky gut and intestinal permeability. Um, so I'd say my attitude has changed because I'm in a better place to apply myself um, and obviously my, my background is in bodybuilding, nutrition, that sort of thing. Um, and that did take me quite far, but now I'm able to transfer over the skills I learned in that. So the discipline, the patience, you know, I've been trained for 15 years, roughly it takes a long time to build your body. And um, when you sort of get close towards your end goal, you start to see and be able, you're able to reap the rewards of what you, the time and effort you put in. So nowadays, like you, Stephen, I'm sure putting in yourself in front of the camera, um, spending hours upon hours editing videos trying to perfect it to get the right right bit of the right second, you know, for me it's second nature now because I've applied myself before and now I'm doing it again Um, my body and mind are in a better state to do that because of, I've just got the patience to do it, which I think is probably quite natural upon people that follow the carnivore diet, they seem to be quite patient especially people that are quite far into it, so even people that are long term keto, long term carnivores they seem to be very stoic kind of people, you know, I've, I've met loads of people in our space uh you know chafee baker okay you know when you actually speak to these people you actually know them i say relatively well um you realize they're not they're very normal people um they're not putting on an act which is quite quite interesting i mean bart k does put on an act for his videos if you've spoken to him off there he's actually very normal fun loving kind of person um so yeah i've I've learned a long, a lot along the way and the self esteem's definitely picked up because I'm probably one of the youngest people in this space right now that consistently uploads i'm twenty eight years old um most people in space are forty plus so you know i've I've picked up a lot of self validation for that as I'm doing something which most people don't seem to be doing for whatever reason I don't know um under the age of forty so yeah that's that's my take on the self esteem issue
0: yeah I think yes you, you mentioned me there i don't like my appearance at all i mean I, I get a lot of compliments and i really appreciate them i'm 60 this year and people often say well what do you put that down to and i do think it's carnivore um the only supplement i use is a stem enhance and i do think that is part of it i've got to be honest um that one yeah stem enhance yeah, it's very good yeah um but I I also liked what you said about what people think. Um but well, there's two things here I want to I want to say. I used to be very conscious when I first got my hearing aids. Um if I told you what I think made me go deaf, I, I wouldn't be allowed to say it on YouTube, all right? So people can put put together what that might be. Um and I was really really conscious of my hearing aids. And there was a quote that I saw about five, six years ago. And I thought, I wish I'd read that when I was 20 and been open to it. But it said, When you're 20, you are so worried about what people think of you. And then when you get to 40, uh, you don't care what people think of you. And then when you get to 60, you realize they're not even thinking of you. And, you know, we all worry way too much about what we look and what, you know, what we look like, what we give out. But, that's that's the world. I mean it is the world and if it if it affects you to the point where you want to do something about it, but make it a positive, but you definitely have. Um and I would go as far as to say, you know, even your social media content, I love the way that you've worked on it, you sound better, you look better, you know, your backdrop looks great. And that's that's good. I I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to present the best version of yourself, as long as, you know, you're not hung up about it and you know, you, you, you realize that's what you're doing. I mean, I've been very open about when I went gray, which I can't believe is reversed. And I used to use a bit of mascara to make my hair look blacker, um, which is a good tip for people. And by the way, if they're starting out and they are worried about their gray. The other the other thing you mentioned, and I've never heard you talk about this as, as honestly, is is about this terrible tackle. And being bitter about it. And that's a strange sort of pejorative term because, do you know what? If something happened to me like that, I, I think that's not being bitter. I think that's being realistic. That, that's, a, that's a proper um, place to put your anger because someone has robbed you of your health and done something that's completely out of the game. I would like to ask you, if that had happened in a legitimate tackle, you know, as part of the game and it was an accident, would you still be bitter?
1: No, because I don't think it would be... It wouldn't be a person's choice if it was like that. And if it just happened, you know, I fell in a funny angle, um, I probably wouldn't even think about the person or think about the situation, you know. This was dreadful. I wish it didn't happen. But um, this is more against the person themselves. Obviously, I don't go to bed at night thinking, oh, I hate this guy. I think he, you know, should burn or whatever. You know, I don't think that, but it's like... I really wish he didn't do it, and I wish he could see me right now and just say, you know, I, I apologise what did to you.
0: Mm. Yes. I mean, is your back still giving you problems? How have you um, managed it?
1: What have you done? Um, so so I've had a, a spinal fusion, as you know, about uh, a year and a month ago, something like that, and that's reduced the pain in the back a lot. What I will say now is because of my surgery, I've now got a lot of pain in my right hip, um, which means my burtie is poor i can walk the dog for 10 to 15 minutes i can stand for about 15 20 minutes um so it does prevent me from doing a lot of things like as, as you know we had a we had a talk with um i think phil Eskel, that was meant to be coming up soon um for me sitting on the train for four or five hours wherever it was i couldn't do it even if i can stand up just sitting there i, I couldn't do so between the podcasts i do with people like yourself the talks the the consultations online, i'm pretty much lying down um which is very frustrating because it means I can't just go to a party and stand up and meet everyone and you know when I sing dance and do all the things I used to might might might, might have been able to do before um, so it's it's very limiting in that sense. my day to day pain is less i'd say overall um but the mobility side of it so walking around is is probably worse overall. it's frustrating, but there's there's not a lot you can do, but you can just focus yourself on focus your your intentions on the thing that you, things that you can do so i can spend a bit longer sat down now on a, on a chair um my lower back doesn't seize up as much so i can spend more time editing videos and doing the stuff like you you probably do can you get in the gym get in the gym yes the gym's fine as well um i can't do deadlifts can't do bent over rows can't do squats um not to any appreciable degree i, I can probably bent over a row or deadlift like 20 kilos for anyone that's wondering, that's not a lot of weight at all. For someone my size, that's effectively the bar. Um, I can, however, use very precise movements in my, my workouts. Um, so a lot of isolation, machine-based apparatus, cables, bands, that sort of thing. Um, I, I found a way around it, which is quite interesting, because I actually had a lot of consultations with people that have had a similar sort of experience to me of injury, and they're like, well, what do I do? You know, I've taken on two clients this past few weeks. I've had a similar sort of back problem. Um, and I'll be able to sort of transfer my knowledge onto them. So, although it's made, made a setback for me on a personal level, I've been able to share my experience and how they overcome a lot of the, the issues I would otherwise have.
0: Have you tried a Shakti mat or an acupressure mat? No, what's that? Ah, okay. Well, um, if you think of a bed of nails... Um, oh, I've got like... a round thing. Right.
1: Yes. Well, I've got a round thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I mean, the mat is flat and what happens is you uh, lie on it and the pressure points will activate all the ascending pain pathways and then your brain will modulate that pain by the descending pathway mechanism. So when you first get on it, you literally feel like I can't lie on this for even a minute. I mean, there's that much pain and you can even feel almost as if there's electricity running through your back sometimes. After maybe a week of using the Shakti Mat, I mean, many people report <laughs> they can sleep on it and they can actually doze off and you, they have to get their partner to wake them up and say, after 20 minutes, can you get me off this? And I th- think that's been remarkable for a lot of people. I mean, I had lower back issues. I've been hospitalised twice and told in my 20s I'd be in a wheelchair by the time I'm 50. There's... there's no way! I've ever been in a wheelchair, um, and here I am at sixty and playing five-a-side football even tonight. So I, I think a lot of the pain relief I got from the shakti mat was very convincing, um, and it might be something I'll send you details of afterwards because it is worth. If you're lying down, you might as well lie on a shakti mat for twenty minutes and see if it does reduce the pain. You're you're tapping into your body's own resource. And I know there's people out there will be thinking, well, this is a bit woo-woo. Why is Stephen talking about this? He's got a science degree. But um it works. And it works on a mechanism that's known, which is the ascending and descending pathway. So um it's worth a try if you've got any back pain or any pains. And if you've got pain in your hams or your glutes, you know, you just literally just put that area on the mat 20 minutes later, get away and um you should see some relief because your body is producing endorphins which is just uh, an endogenous morphine so um yeah i would have a look at that jonathan the other thing you said and i thought it was quite a funny little thing to add in about um what you did when you were a child was very similar to how they fatten and grow cattle so could you expand yeah. on why you said that
1: yeah so um i actually did my nutrition dissertation on the food guidelines um and before I did that, actually, I was meant to be doing my sports nutrition module, um, how to optimize sports nutrition for someone. And we had to go by a specific guideline. So it was nothing about N equals one or perfecting what we could do with a certain person. We basically had to coach someone through a dietary intervention. And that was effectively the food pyramid. Um, I didn't agree with it. They got results just because they were doing something different to what they're already doing. And what they're already doing was much worse. But I was thinking this led rubbish. Um, anyway, the food pyramid, I mean, there's been a funny South Park episode that came out a few, maybe a few years ago now, and they sort of say, oh, no, the food pyramid's wrong, it's it's upside down, they flip it around, and they're worried about this being some sort of global conspiracy, um, but if you look at, like, the macronutrient content, you know, protein, fat, carb, grams of, you know, pig feed, effectively, there's, there's a pig slaughterhouse miles from my house, Like it's less than a mile from my house, a farm, They're, they're fed a diet which matches the food pyramid in terms of macronutrient grounds. So relatively low protein. You know, why do you need an animal to be, be muscular? You just need to be fat, really. You know, sedentary, store energy. Um, more marbling in an animal means the cut is usually more expensive for the most part. Um, you know, a ribeye steak is more more costly than a rump steak, for example, over here. So yeah, I, I, I attribute a lot of the... a lot of the... A lot of the lack of success people are having with diets with the high carbohydrate intake. And I think if you pretty much reduce the carbohydrates down, um, majority of people, you know, reduce processed foods, put those carbohydrate, you know, calories into the fat grams or protein grams or both, you get much better health outcomes. Um, some people actually, this is actually something I try, I recommend some people are just absolutely clueless. As I link them to this website and I think it's called PE Diet Calculator which means Protein Energy Calculator. And it's um, formulated by a guy called Ted Neiman. So anyone doesn't know, I believe he was an engineer. So quite a well-thought-out guy. I don't agree with everything he says about nutrition. Um, He's very big on fibre and stuff like that. But he sort of says, well, if you get your protein right, um, the rest will pretty much fall into place. And I found that to be true of most people. Um, It's very hard to get fat if you get your protein grammage right because it has such a high, um, uh, high peptide factor which allows you to be satiated or feel satiated. Um, so per per calorie, you know, protein is extremely satiating. And the way they worked this out was they got different insect models and they fed them different amounts of you know protein, carbs, fats, and they found that the energy intake of these pe- of these little insects was actually less overall if they met their protein requirements. And um, what we know about protein is it is the most nutrient dense food coming from you know any meat. So, for example, anyone listening to this right now can, you know, go on a chart, chronometer, myfitnesspal, nutritiondata.com or whatever it's called, you know, type Type in, you know, beef, 100 grams. Okay, 100 grams of beef will give you this percentage of a uh, average person's de- daily recommended amount of whatever. Um, you compare that to, oh, I don't know, peanut butter, a bit of vitamin B3 in it, loads of omega-6, that's about it lots of fiber that's about it there's not much else in it um so obviously there's a there's an absolute human requirement for certain nutrients and we don't seem to be reaching it with the common diet that most of us follow in the western world
0: that's fascinating and, and ted nayman and his uh, protein energy model is is pretty interesting i think so if people uh wanted to know can you help them what what do you offer
1: Oh, well, i offer quite a few services actually so i expanded my I pay each deal, sort of thing. Um, so I do consultations, coaching plans, diet plans, training plans, and several ebooks, um, all related to carnivore, diet, animal foods, diet, low carb, keto, what have you. Um, I do specialize in exercise performance and body composition, altering, um, all very affordable stuff, all custom. I don't put people on a calorie plan. I work it out, I do the thinking for people. I don't make it complicated to them. I keep it really simple. Um, I do the work so they don't have to. So people out there with busy jobs that don't you know, have time to sort of fiddle around, try to work out what they exactly need. You know, just tell me, tell me how you're doing in a you know, consultation. I'll, I'll work it out for you pretty much. I'm, I'm pretty effective at that, I must admit. Lots of testimonials, like I'm sure you do, Coach Steven. So um, check out my stuff. So my website is compositionconsultant.com. My Instagram handle is carnivore muscle. And my YouTube channel is Carnival Muscle as well.
0: Yeah, I like that. I laughed at the, um, you do the hard work so they don't have to. I mean, that's uh, in the UK. That's from an advert about 10 years ago. My favourite actor at that point was Carl Hellman. Uh, anyway, that's going back into my acting um past we won't get into that so Jonathan that was fantastic Jonathan Griffiths the Carnival muscle guy um yeah Carnival muscle is a great name so I'm glad you I'm glad you changed it. I think that's really snappy and like you say says it all so thanks for coming on
1: much appreciate having me
0: thank you so much for listening to my podcast I hope you enjoyed it your support means the absolute world to me and if you're enjoying this show I've got a small favor to ask you I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.